You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey again, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. So right when we started the podcast, I'm discovering potential raccoon damage on the back porch. So anyway, straight <laughs> Jeez, that up. 2020, man. <laughs> Just, I know. I'm like looking on the back porch and I'm like, now the wind didn't knock. There's no way because it's up high and it got knocked over. And I'm like, that must have been a, that must have been a coon. Why did the why did the wind eat all of my garbage and then shit on my porch? That doesn't sound like the wind. <laughs> exactly. That's the mystery I'm figuring out right now. Uh, okay, so everybody, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. BuiltBar.com is where you want to go. I'll tell you about them later. Um, unfortunately, there was no game for Alabama this past week. And I think the more I had time I had to stew over the fact that Alabama didn't play LSU, the matter I got all weekend. I'm sure I'm not alone um, because I had to watch. I was subjected to a lot of bad football all weekend long. I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, Michigan can, uh, Michigan and Penn State. Now, I'll give Penn State a little credit. They fought back in that Nebraska game, but they fought back against a bad Nebraska team. So every time I want to give them credit, I'm like, yeah, they don't really deserve it. But Michigan has flat out quit. They don't care. They don't need to play anymore. I think we could do this COVID thing as a, you know, if you – if the team is so inclined, it can be a loser leave town match. Like Michigan should have been in a loser leave town match, or, or at least Nebraska, Penn State should have been. And Michigan just ought to say, you know what, guys, we just opt out. We're going to get our brains beat in everywhere we go. And you know what? I think LSU in that regard uh, might have outsmarted the room because that's kind of what they did to Alabama. <laughs> you know, it's it's if I if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm sort of. I wonder if I could look at this like it truly is a one-off year. I mean, in terms of it's weird. We started late. I don't think the kids are into it. The protocols are probably driving them crazy. I bet half of them don't want to play. Then you lose the first game, and then the rest of them quit, and it's just a throwaway year, and we don't have any money, so we can't fire the coach. So I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that some Michigan fans feel that way, but even if you do, I, I would just kind of look at the bigger picture and say that there is no evidence at this point that Jim Harbaugh is going to turn Michigan into what he is being paid to do, which is be an annual playoff contender. Uh, at what point do you say that's not going to happen? But again, I, I, we've talked about this before several times on the show. I think in years where everyone's revenue is down 50, 60 million dollars, I don't know how you justify uh, firing a coach and all the money that would take uh, in, in 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 this particular year, and it would be look, it could be a bad look optic wise. And look, you, you know, you don't. I don't like dra- uh, dragging politics into this podcast ever because you're bound to piss off around fifty percent of your audience either way. And the fifty percent of your audience that you think you're pandering to, or is probably pissed because you're not pandering enough. So I think that we can say, okay, we don't like dragging politics into this, but there there are two ways this could have gone. And it could have gone this way if, if Trump had won or ends up winning somehow this election anyway. 
But, I mean, Biden has made it no secret, right, that he kind of wants to shut the country down for four to six weeks again. Some people agree with that and think that's the way to go. I'm not in that uh, group yet. But my point is that if you if we shut down again, like completely shut down, like really not screwing around, and then the economy goes even you know further in a, to a nosedive, which we, we, we may have to sacrifice that. Who knows? There's no way some of these schools are going to get rid of these coaches, which means they're going to be stuck with them even longer. And the fact that they're recruiting would be even worse because kids can't take visits. I mean, this is a a, a, a snowball effect of crap on top of crap, it, it, the way that this is all played out. And Michigan, you know, it's funny to watch a Michigan game now because every now and again, it seems like Harbaugh looks up at the scoreboard and squints. Like he's trying to squint really hard, and if he squints just enough, the scoreboard looks fuzzy, and he could probably justify saying Michigan might be up based on the way I'm seeing the scoreboard. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, regardless of whether there's another lockdown or not, I mean, I, I think there's there's already too much financial upheaval. It's a good uh, it's a good year to have Nick Saban as your head football coach. It's a good time <laughs> to be Alabama. <laughs> God, what if we were going through this with Mike Dubose as our head coach? Uh, I mean, it would look, we would have it would look, We'd be on that <laughs> list right now with Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska, Texas, Florida State, all these perennial powers who are just really miserably bad. And some of it's the pandemic, sure, but most of it is just because they're not very good. Alabama's on great footing, great talent on the roster driven kids that want to play and uh, coached by the greatest ever do it. It is pretty awesome to have him right now as the head coach in the middle of all this uncertainty. There's no doubt about it. And even though um, you, I get frustrated with other teams, even in this conference like LSU, who obviously aren't very disciplined, who obviously aren't doing the right things and they get out of a butt whipping, which we would have administered, uh, in quick fashion Saturday night, and they get out of it because they haven't done right. And they Alabama essentially gets punished. It, it sucks. But, um, yeah. you know, in the, in the end, I think that'll come back to haunt them some way. There will be some karmic retribution there. I don't know exactly what it'll be, but I will be there to enjoy it and, and lap it up when it happens. They might lose to Arkansas Saturday. I mean, I've, I was, I've been uh, spending this morning looking at next weekend's matchups, looking at stats to date around the league. And uh, you can make a you can make a good case that Arkansas is going to beat LSU next uh, next Saturday, uh, but I, I, I don't think so. I, I think LSU is going to score enough points to to, to pull it out, but uh, they're really going to miss Miles Brennan. LSU was actually scoring really well with Miles Brennan at quarterback. They were scoring points oh, yeah. uh, and, and and amassing yardage. It all sort of went a little south. Uh, when they turned it over to T.J. Finley, and it looks like Finley's going to have to quarterback out the season. Uh, that's why I give Arkansas an excellent chance uh, this upcoming Saturday. Right now, my feeling right now is I'm going to go LSU wins and a really close, high-scoring type, you know, with b- both teams in the 30s. Uh, I think LSU wins, but whew, that's an interesting matchup. Let me tell you another interesting matchup. Anything Built Bar puts together in a bar is an interesting matchup because it's always good. It's covered in chocolate. It's delicious. It's a keto-friendly diet, low carbs, all kinds of protein. 
it's perfect if you're out there trying to lose a little weight or just maintain your weight. Uh, Built Bar is the bar for you. 18 delicious flavors. Eight Pringles doesn't have that many flavors. 18 delicious flavors. Pringles, of course, was our uh, make-believe former sponsor of our old <laughs> podcast. Built Bar is a real live sponsor of, a, of the new podcast. So we got to be positive there. Um, go check out BuiltBar.com and order uh, your built bars today. You can order them in a different variety. You can order them as, as one flavor. I would highly recommend carrot cake. That's my favorite, but they've got like the apple crisp and all these other things are just delicious. Again, covered in like real live chocolate, which makes them delicious. And you want to go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on. You will save 20% on that order. And trust me, you will be thanking me that I led you in this direction. All right, Jimmy, let's talk about some of the games from yesterday just for the heck of it. Um, I watched Arkansas and and Florida because I was – that game had some mild intrigue. And, uh, boy, I, I'm, I hate saying this is an Alabama guy, but I feel pretty certain in saying right now Kyle Trask is probably the leader in the Heisman race. But, of course, they're only on about whole 13 to use a master's reference. So, Mac Jones certainly has time to catch up. Trask is great. That Florida offense is something else amazing that they could be that deadly uh, without Kyle Pitts, who's who's really their best weapon, and he wasn't even able to play last night. So uh, Trask is really good. That off Florida offense is really good. I think after all of these years uh, at Mississippi State and at Florida, Dan Mullen finally has the pieces he wants on offense. It's like, this is it. This is my offense. Because uh, at Mississippi State, he was never going to recruit enough uh, weapons uh you know he got he lucked into uh well not luck he was, he was smart enough to to project Dak Prescott to be a great quarterback and he was right about that uh but but at Florida he's got all these weapons uh but what's probably going to keep Florida from advancing to the playoff and winning in the playoff their defense is just not good I mean that, they gave up a lot of points and yards to to what I still consider a highly suspect Arkansas offense so Florida, not very good defensively, but man on offense, they're a juggernaut. Yeah, they they are. Holy cow. What is happening? What I is hit, happening? I, did you hear that? Oh, yeah, I heard it. It sounded like you were being invaded by clowns. It was the nutcracker. Okay. I was, I'm trying to, like, surf the web and – do some, you know, I was trying to look up. Dennis Dodd had this article on Kyle Trask becoming the front runner, and apparently they have some Nutcracker advertisement on there. And I was like, ah, out of me. And I was like, ah, what is that? And so they it sounded like you were being sounded like you're being home invaded by a circus. You know, most people like to put their Christmas decorations up early. I like to run Christmas songs randomly in short spurts on this podcast just to get anybody in the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I saw uh, I saw some odds uh, from one of the sports books, Luke, this morning that had Trask, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields all equal at the top of the board. All all like five to two, I think odds. Uh, That's weird. So so they they were all tied for first. Trask, I mean, in, in terms of this one sports book in Vegas. Okay, I get the other three. But how do you put Trevor Lawrence in there? He's now missed two games, including the biggest game where Clemson yep. uh, threw for a record number of yards against Notre Dame, which leads you to believe that 
not necessarily that Trevor Lawrence would have even had more than 400 and whatever it was yards passing, but that that offense sort of lends itself to kick assery. So Trevor Lawrence, while he is the best prospect of the bunch, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think he's played the best this year, so I wouldn't have him up there with those right now. And he's missed two games. Well, the weird part about him missing two games is Mac, Trevor, and Trask. Now, all three of them have all played exactly six games. They've all played exactly the same amount. Justin Fields has only played three games, uh, so uh, he is, uh, you know, his numbers aren't what the other ones are. But just simply because he's played in fewer games, if you extrapolate his numbers. Uh, they match up extremely well with the other three. What Mac needs to do when you really look at that, if, if you're doing like a side-by-side comparison of the stats, Mac compared to uh, Trevor Fields and uh, Kyle Trask, Mac needs to throw for more touchdowns. Um, and this weekend might be a good time to do it against Kentucky, but uh, Mac needs more touchdown passes. And I think he's quite capable. Yeah, I think he hurt himself a little bit. Um it's not necessarily his fault, but he hurt himself against Tennessee throwing for no passes. Um, when he got that one touchdown run, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't move the meter for uh, quarterbacks in the Heisman game anymore when you're a passing quarterback. So I feel like the Tennessee game, if he could have just had two touchdown passes, it would have been great. But of course, that's also the game we lost our most dynamic playmaker. And, and so it stands to reason. And the fact that some of his passes were great and they were caught at like the three yard line. It was kind of like the passing version of Damian Harris's long runs. You know, Damian Harris used to break off an 80 yarder and he'd get start, stopped at the two and then somebody else would get the touchdown, you know? Yeah, because he's too tired. <laughs> After you run 70 yards, you got to go to the sideline to catch your breath and someone else will score the touchdown. That probably happened um, five times. Uh, another game that I watched a little bit of just because they're, they're our next opponent, and that was Kentucky Vanderbilt. And boy, that was a slop fest. I mean, both neither one of those teams wanted to be there, neither one of them looked interested. Um, there was a lot of bad play. Uh, Kentucky, too much to my surprise, is looking like a bad football team, and I think we should handle them with relative ease Saturday. Uh, I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised. I mean, Kentucky's really bad on offense. They're dead last in the SEC in total offense, even after scoring as many points as they did against Vanderbilt yesterday. They're still dead last in the SEC in total offense, and they're very one-dimensional. They can't throw it very well at all. They can run it pretty well. Uh, that's going to be the challenge for Alabama defensively this week is stopping Kentucky's inside run game, uh, something that Alabama needs to improve on. So it's actually a good practice game, for lack of, for lack of a better term. It's what Alabama really needs to work on, get better at. It's what Kentucky's pretty good at. So that's, that's a challenge for Alabama's defense. But I think, Luke, uh, last time Alabama's defense played, they registered a shutout against Mississippi State. I, I think it's a, a fun, reasonable goal to pitch back-to-back shutouts. Uh, that would be a heck of a thing for our defense to do. It will be definitive proof of improvement and things moving in the right direction. So I think it's very possible. Uh, now, offense, uh, defensively, Kentucky had been really good until yesterday. Uh, they played against a bad team and gave up a lot of yards, even a lot of points, uh, to a really bad Vanderbilt team. So I'm going to assume Kentucky, like you were describing, just sort of mailed that in yesterday because even factoring in the stats from yesterday Kentucky's defense their total defensive numbers are better than Alabama's you know so I think they're fourth in the SEC in total defense coming into the game so defensively they're pretty good 
But offensively, Alabama isn't pretty good. Alabama is awesome. So I think particularly at home, Alabama, Alabama's offense will overwhelm a pretty good Kentucky defense. But Alabama will overwhelm them, and, and, and with Kentucky's offense giving them no help, they'll probably give up fairly easily. Right now I'm leaning to a 42 to nothing shutout. That's my prediction, and if I'm wrong, I'm, I might not be predicting enough points. But uh, Alabama's averaging 47 points uh, a game. Uh, they've always scored a minimum of 38 uh, I like Alabama scoring right around 42 here. Uh, I think I'd be a little disappointed if they only scored 42. Honestly, now we've had two weeks to rest. We should have a big-time uh, case of red ass in terms of wanting to take it out on somebody. And I'd be fine if it's 42 to nothing if we take that case of red ass out on Auburn the next week. I'd be totally fine with that. So uh, that's, that's another podcast for another day. Uh, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Coors Light. Coors Light is the beer made to chill. It was the beer that I drank this weekend while I watched football games. It was fantastic. It tasted just as delicious as it always does, maybe even more so, because now I know what to expect, that the awesomeness is going to just take over my entire body. Am I overselling this thing? I don't think I am. I think I'm telling you exactly how Coors Light tastes. It's made to chill. Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Of course, we want you to celebrate responsibly. Of course. But the key word in there is responsibly, but the real key word is celebrate. So you, when you celebrate, you want a Coors Light. In fact, I think initially they were going to call it Celebration Light. And they said, that's too long for the can. It'll wrap around or the text will be too small. Let's just go with Coors. And everybody gave a big thumbs up in the meeting in 1872 or whenever it started. And from that point forward, it was known as Coors Light. Coors, I just made that story up on the fly. And that was I'm a good story. I'm, I was in, I, I think that's your, you, I think you guessed right as to exactly what happened. Now, well, you want to talk about just like, what are the chances? I mean, if I got that story right, if somebody, if the Coors family, uh, was it the Molsons or whatever they are? If they if they called me and were like, how did you know? I would be like, dude, I did. It was, it was like, you ever seen the movie The Pelican Brief? That's what I, I just Pelican Brief, Coors Light, the history of Coors Light. Um, okay, so Coors Light, go check out CoorsLight.com. Made to chill, absolutely delicious, and totally relaxing. Also, everybody, seriously, stop what you're doing unless you're drinking the Coors Light or you're eating a Built Bar and do what I say immediately. Go to Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Oh, my goodness. Jimmy, I got my two shirts in. Love them. Love them. Love the way they feel. Love the way they fit. Love everything about them. Can't wait to get some more. Going to buy some for people for Christmas. Um, I'm even going to buy – I've got, like, some some Auburn fans in my family. I'm going to buy them some Auburn crap uh, because I, I'm like, this stuff's too cool. I mean, I, and I want you guys to, to – if you're going to wear Auburn stuff, look good in it. I mean, don't wear this orange thing you know, with a Tommy Tuberville doing a six fingers or some jack leg shit like that. No, I want you to put on whole full apparel that looks cool with the old Auburn logos. And, it, man, they, they really are cool. They're just neat. Go check them out. Home field apparel. You will absolutely – Love them. I'm telling you, this this is Luke not telling any lies. I don't tell lies about my sponsors. If they come to me and I don't like them, I'm like, you know what? Spinach came to us and wanted to be a sponsor. I'm like, no, Jimmy and I aren't doing that. We don't like spinach. And then Home Field Apparel, Coors Light, and Built Bar came to us and we want – I was like, I'm in. We love all three of those things. It's amazing. So let's let's all – 
get together, go to home field, put in one screen, Coors Light in another screen, and Built Bar in another screen, man, you got the best computer you've ever had. Uh, home field, though, going back to them, unbelievable stuff. I'm telling you guys will love this stuff. The red got- elephant logo. The red elephant <laughs> logo is super cool. It is, and they've got, man, I'm going to tell you, they've got one elephant logo that kind of looks like an elephant on meth a little bit, and I love that elephant Perfect. on meth. Oh, it's so Perfect. cool. It's, like, it's a crazy elephant. Like, is there anything scarier to the – if you walk into, like, an opponent's fan base wearing that that methed out ele- elephant logo, they're going to be like, I'm not messing with this dude, and I don't really feel like we want to mess with this team. And you're like, you're damn right you don't. We're good. So, um, anyway, that's that. Home field apparel.com absolutely great stuff all right jimmy one other game uh how about old miss and south kakalaki uh and it was that it was byod bring your own defense and both of them forgot about it (laughs) i mean i know fans just enjoy the you know the offense the up and down the five-hour games uh lane kiffin's antics on the sideline um you know, and, and, and give Ole Miss and Lane a ton of credit. He has the, the number one total offense in the league. He did it with an inherited group uh, that was largely recruited um, during a, a period of NCAA sanctions. Uh, give Lane a, a ton of credit for building such a high-powered offense. But what's ultimately going to cost him in terms of accomplishing anything of significance is their dreadful de- literally the worst defense in the league they, the best offense the worst defense that makes Ole Miss's games very entertaining and they're going to go to Texas A&M this weekend and play a very good Texas A&M team yet it won't matter Ole Miss will score and they will score and they will keep on scoring forcing A&M to score in every possession and they likely will uh Matt Corral has performed extremely well Lane has done his usual job of maximizing every ounce of ability in his quarterback. Uh, and uh, he's turned Elijah Moore into a national star. Uh, and, and again, Corral's very good. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of, assuming Corral comes back, uh, I'm interested to see what type of uh, preseason recognition he gets next year. I mean, clearly Matt Corral will be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. So uh, interesting game, probably as if there weren't already enough nails on the Muschamp coffin. That was one of the final ones. But, again, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, no one in the league probably needs to be replaced more than Will Muschamp. But is South Carolina going to spend the 15, $15 million it takes to do it? I don't know. And if you don't, and I think Auburn's falling into this a little bit because uh, Caleb Johnson, their best offensive lineman recruit commitment, uh, chances are he's going to flip to Notre Dame now, and that has some of the fan base freaking out a little bit. They missed out on Kool-Aid. They missed out on Scooby Williams. Uh, they've missed out on a few other guys they thought they were going to get. And what happens is you go down this rabbit hole of saving money, and because you're saving money and 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 the fact that kids won't still be able to visit, like I mentioned earlier, it makes it harder to sell some of these campuses or some of these programs that don't just – aren't feeder programs to the NFL. So I think that it's going to be, you know, some of these programs are going to have a real big time decision to make in the middle of a pandemic. Um, But you brought up Elijah Moore. And did you see the play where Lane Kiffin called the touchdown a la Amari Cooper the way he used to? And then he throws his clipboard about 35 yards in the air. It really was pretty cool. Yeah, I was watching live when it happened, and and it was hilarious and so lame and so. Did you good. know that's what he did and when so, it happened? Did you know that's what happened? Um, 
Did he do his no, football? I mean, I, I, oh, not, not live, not live. Uh, I, I guess I didn't notice until the replay. And then, of course, they replayed it 14 times, and then I saw it another 100 times on Twitter. Um, you know, it's just what makes Lane entertaining. Is why I'm sure today, as of today, he has 100% approval ratings in Oxford. They love him. He's, he's King Kiffin in, uh, in Oxford for now. But, uh, again, at some point, Lane, it's going to be nice if you actually get a defensive stop at some point this year or next. He even admitted it in the postgame, like, we knew we had to score every time we had the ball. And he's staying in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're not South Carolina, who wasn't even really sure who their quarterback was going to be. I mean, they're a floundering program. I mean, they're floundering, but they racked up. A bunch of yards. Kevin Harris became uh, the leading rusher in the SEC last night in terms of uh, cumulative yards. Uh, Kevin Harris having a, a real breakout season, uh, just you know, amidst the rubble in uh, in Columbus, South Carolina. So that's uh, that's interesting, but uh, really and interesting to see if South Carolina does come up with the money to fire Muschamp. Do they hire Sark? Do they hire Hugh Freeze? Do they hire the in-state sensation, uh, the dude at Coastal Carolina? Um, do they do they hire a coordinator? Uh, several good coordinators around the SEC, uh, or do they go for, for? How about these names? Urban Meyer. What about oh, Bill O'Brien, who was a very successful college coach at Penn State before Urban he left for the Texans? Urban couldn't go to South Carolina. Like he could not. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. But I wouldn't think so. But I know this: Ur- Urban, I'm sure, wants badly to coach again. I'm sure that's true. Uh, now he can probably be picky about where he goes, but Hey, if you really want to coach again, and that's the only job out there, then maybe so. I mean, Lou Holtz coached there, Steve Spurrier coached there. These are hall of fame guys. Uh, that's, that, now that's a point. I would also argue though, that, um, Holt, they, didn't they drag Holtz out of, out of a crypt? <laughs> Uh, I, I guess Holtz. That, I guess that was the job he did after Notre Dame, right? So, uh, yeah, and, he, he and Holtz did Notre fairly Dame. well. Holtz improved their program. I remember 1992, their first year in the league. We played them at Bryant Denny. It was their first year in the league. I remember thinking, "Gosh, that's probably the worst SEC team I've ever seen." I mean, you know, they, and, and they had traditionally not been great. Uh, I think Holtz really improved South Carolina, and then Spurrier got them as good as they've ever been uh, before. Before uh, you know, the last uh, staff or two sort of drug them down. I'm trying to look up what his uh, his his when he left Notre Dame, or she left Notre Dame in '96. So he was off for three years, and I do remember when he was. I guess those three years between '96 and. And 99, maybe he was working for ESPN or something because he went to South Carolina in 99. And he was 0-11 his first year. Um, and I don't even know why we're getting off on talking about Lou Holtz, but it, but it does remind me of the story <laughs> when a player got pissed because he took the names off the back of their jerseys. And they were like, Coach, you know, we want our names on our jerseys. He's like, you're lucky you got numbers. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> like, can you imagine if he just showed up with a team full of guys with practice numbers? That's funny. So, um, but I, 
it, yeah, and he that team was not very good. It was very reminiscent, actually, of the first South Carolina team that ever came to Tuscaloosa when they joined the league in 92. And that, that team also went winless, I think, um, when they had Steve Tannehill. Or was that 93? Maybe that was 93. I can't remember. Um, regardless, uh, yeah, that. and so then he coached from 99 to 2004. And then he spent um, about four or five years spitting in the face of Mark May <laughs> during the college football <laughs> I mean, not purposely, totally accidentally, but he could be. Uh, <laughs> and I'll never forget, though, that like he would make these dumbass statements about, you know, like, I think Notre Dame is going to win the national championship. And, and Mark May would be like, yeah, but coach, they've already lost four games this year. I know, but they, they never count them out, you know. And I remember my <laughs> brother-in-law used to, who was a lot younger than me, be like, yeah, I really respect Lou Holtz's opinion over Mark May's. I'm like, look, Look, I, I I get it. I love Lou Holtz. I really do. But he, you can't take a lot of the everything he says. You have to take with a grade of salt, as they say on the message board. <laughs> he also predicted Notre Dame to beat Alabama in the national championship game in twelve. And you know, a lot every, of people did. Huh? He did. He did. A lot of people did. Did Corso a lot of did, people? Did. did a lot of people? Corso did. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people did. Corso did. Didn't uh. Well, so the far, you have two people that are octogenarians that did it. <laughs> I didn't know the boxer uh, Mayweather. He bet like sixty thousand on Notre Dame. So, and now you name the guy who's taken multiple blows to the head who did it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Notre Dame was. Uh, I, I, my, my recollection was the analysts were sort of fifty-fifty on it, and then when the game was over, it was all revisionist history. Well, I, that's I think, true. I think sometimes people just hope for a competitive you know people that don't have a dog in the fight i think they hope for not that they're anti-alabama i think they want a competitive game you know they're like gosh i think you know they're hoping notre dame can win or make it close or make it compelling i think that's really what it is not necessarily anti-alabama bias because if you're not an alabama fan you know if you're if you you know, if you're in it to watch Jalen Waddle make you know do his thing, okay. But if you're not an Alabama fan, watching Alabama and their um, team of eighty-five murder bots, joyless, <laughs> uh, heartless murder bots, can be a little bit like, oh my god, why am I watching this? They're they're bludgeoning this team. But it, it, it's sort of like, um, you know, like if you're playing a video game and instead of like you're playing Legend of Zelda, and instead of going through the first few mazes. And do it, you know, get building up your power. Like the first thing you do is fight the the end boss, <laughs> you know? and that guy just beats you with like two two whacks, and you're done. It's like, why did I play that? <laughs> That's what it's got to be to kind of watch Alabama. Uh, if you're not uh, if you're not an Alabama fan, of course, we can watch anything and dissect it. We don't care if it's fifty five to nothing in the fourth quarter. We're like. Why in the hell did our third string not pull like he was supposed to pull right there? <laughs> oh, yeah. we'll find we'll find players to complain. We'll, we'll be yeah. like that guy didn't play good. We'll bitch when congratulations will do. You know, we'll find <laughs> we'll find a way. Um, all right, Jimmy, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast on a Monday. But we're ready for another football week. Did, by the way, do you have any idea if what the uh, new football lineup is going to be? I mean, are we can we expect yep. Kentucky Auburn? and then Arkansas and then LSU, or what do we expect here? Uh, right now I'm told uh, that this isn't an inside scoop so much from Alabama, but uh, inside scoop just plus 
I'm just, this is what I completely expect right now is that Alabama will play Kentucky at 3 o'clock this upcoming Saturday. Alabama will then play Auburn as scheduled on November 28th on CBS. And then December 5th, where we're currently uh, supposed to play Arkansas, we are more likely to play LSU that day mm. on December 5th. Uh, and then, uh, then the Arkansas game on December 12th, uh, which allows LSU to keep their date with Florida on the 12th. Okay. Um, that's, that's what I believe is going to happen. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. LSU, Arkansas. Well, I mean, I, I just know that's the order of our games. I forget how it's all going to work around for everybody else, but that's what I'm told to expect. Kentucky, then Auburn, then LSU, and then Arkansas at the end on the 12th. Several games will be moved to December 19th to make all this happen. You just can't move games till December 19th until they are mathematically eliminated from right. our contention in the SEC. That's right. All right, buddy. We will get after them again tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. Go check out BuiltBar.com, Forslight.com, and, of course, HomeFieldApparel.com. Roll Tide, everybody. Let's play football this week. Roll Tide.